chapter 1, verses 12 through 16. This is a letter of Paul. Paul wrote many of the things we see in the New Testament, different letters back to different people that he had visited throughout his missionary journeys. This particular letter is to a young pastor by the name of Timothy, and Paul has given him some instruction and some guidance and a letter here just to help him as he gets on his way. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. I give thanks to Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, appointing me to the ministry. One who was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an arrogant man. But I received mercy because I acted out of ignorance and unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. But I received mercy for this reason so that in me, the worst of them, Christ Jesus might demonstrate his extraordinary patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you tonight and we thank you for these good words. And I pray that you just bless the reading of your word, God. I pray that you just hide me behind the cross, that you take away any of my pride, any of my fear, dear Lord, and that you just Give me the ability to preach and teach in a way that brings glory to you. I pray, God, that you just help us all to listen to what your word says tonight. God, maybe there are some in this room going through something. God, there's no doubt that we all have something going on in our life, but maybe there are some that this passage really connects to. God, if there are some in here and we need to hear these words tonight, let us, let us hear them. Let us not miss you, dear Lord. We, in fact, are sinners ourselves, just as Paul was. But what a great example you give to us of your patience and your love. And I pray, God, that we would see that tonight. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, when we look at Paul in the New Testament, we think of someone who was bold for the Lord. We see someone who spoke boldly for the Lord, who worked boldly for the Lord, who worked tirelessly for the Lord. Even in the midst of persecution himself, he was not afraid to stand up for the Lord. He was not afraid to go wherever the Lord would call him. And we can look at the writings of Paul and the ministry of Paul and say, man, he was, he was a man of God who seeked to do the will of God. But he was not always a man of God, at least not in the way that he is now. Now, before Paul became... This, this great apostle for the Lord, he was a religious man, but he was not a righteous man. Now, before the passages we look at tonight, you see that Paul is addressing the law. Now, we see the law mentioned frequently in the New Testament. We see it mentioned often in the Old Testament, the law of Moses, the commands of God that God's people were to live by. And by the time we get to the New Testament and the ministry of Jesus, and even after and, and as Jesus' apostles and followers went out into the world, this, this is a pretty common theme we see addressed in the New Testament. And that is people wanting to follow the law, but not understanding the heart of what the law said. And, 
And that's what Paul had been talking about in the verses before this. Now, Paul was one who had, who had used to be like that. He used to be one who was a strict observer of the law of God. He would try to follow uh, every letter uh, to, the, to the dot of the I and the cross of the T. He tried to live by the letter of the law, but his heart did not really seek to do God's will. Instead, Jesus came preaching uh, this message of repentance and deliverance and salvation. And Paul was one of those that was arresting those who were preaching that message after Jesus was crucified and resurrected. And so Paul was part of the group that was, that was going and arresting Christians, seeing to it that they would be put to death. Now, we don't see in the Scripture anywhere that Paul actually killed anyone, but it's certainly possible that some of the ones that Paul saw to that they were arrested and persecuted for what they did for the Lord, that perhaps some of his actions led to the death of those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. We see, uh, we see examples of that in the Scripture. And so Paul, as he is writing this letter, he's saying, look, I used to be a religious man. I used to worry about the law and try to live by the law, and then something changed in Paul's life. Then his eyes were opened by Jesus Christ himself, and Paul had a dramatic transformation. When Jesus appeared to Paul, when, when Jesus spoke to Paul, Paul's eyes were were open to the truth of the gospel in Jesus Christ. And in that instant, in that moment, his life was changed when he was in the presence of Jesus Christ. Now, I hope that everyone in this room has experienced that to some extent. Now, it's unlikely that probably any of us have experienced things the way that Paul did, that Jesus appeared to us in that way. But no doubt, we are all like Paul. We may know the word of God, we may attend church. We may very well be religious. But have we all met Jesus Christ? Have we all seen Jesus Christ and have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And the moment that we realize who Jesus is and all of his glory, maybe not in an appearance like Paul had, but through the words of Scripture, through the working of the Holy Spirit, when we realize who Jesus is, then our life has a similar transformation. As Paul does. If it's, a, if it's a genuine experience where we genuinely confess our sins and put our faith in Jesus Christ, then in that moment, our lives too are transformed. We are a new person. We are a new creation. We are no longer living for ourselves. We are living for the Lord. We are no longer just coming to church and reading our, our, our scripture every once in a while. We're not just going through the motions of religion, but we really are seeking to live for the Lord. And there's a big difference between those two things. And we want to make sure that we are not like Paul in that sense. Now, I would venture to say that probably none of you in this room tonight are hostile toward the Lord as Paul was. But nonetheless, he was, he was more focused on the religious side of things than, than on the message of Jesus Christ. And we don't want to fall into that same trap. And, and Paul goes and he talks about, look, I used to be one who followed the law, but we don't want to get caught up in following the law. I'm paraphrasing what the New Testament says here. And then Paul says these words that we look at tonight. And he says, I give thanks to Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, appointing me to the ministry. Now, this is phenomenal. This is great. This is, when we see things like this in the New Testament, it should be an encouragement to us. And by things like this, I mean that God takes people that are unworthy, 
that God takes people in sin that maybe have sometimes done horrible things, even, even, even tried to stop the spreading of His Word, people who maybe at one time hated God. But yet God takes these people, and through the power of Jesus Christ, God can transform their life. And not only save their soul from hell, but sometimes God appoints people who you wouldn't think was, was worthy to be dog catcher, and God says, I'm going to put you to do my work. I'm going to appoint you to the ministry. I'm going to appoint you to serve me in some way. Now, you could look at Paul and you could say, man, he's, he's not the guy that you would think God would call. But, but even some of Jesus' disciples, you may look at them and say, man, Jesus picked some guys that, that maybe weren't the, the cream of the crop, at least not to the human eye, and praise the Lord for that because it's likely that we could all look at our life and we may say, man, there are areas where I fail. There are areas where I'm not good enough. And we may even make the excuse sometimes, there's no way that God can use me. But I've got news for you. God can use you if you will let him use you. He uses a lot of people in Scripture that don't seem capable or don't seem to be qualified for the job. But here's something we need to remember. If God calls us to something, then we are instantly qualified for that job. It does not matter what our background is. It does not matter how young we are, how old we are. It doesn't matter what skills we have, how much money we have, how good of a speaker we are. None of those things matter. Now, we may try to argue with God when God lays something on our heart to do, and we may try to make excuses and say, God, I'm not the man, I'm not the woman for the job. God, I'm not qualified to do that. I'm not worthy to do that. Well, none of us are qualified or worthy to do anything that God calls us to. The number one qualification that makes us ready to do what God calls us to do is that God calls us to do it. And Paul says, man, I thank God that he used me, that he appointed me to this ministry. And he continues on in verse 13. One who was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an arrogant man, but I received mercy because I acted out of ignorance and unbelief. Now, this is interesting that Paul would say here that before his relationship with Jesus, he was ignorant. And he was. He, he thought he understood the Word of God. He knew the law of God, and, and he went through all the motions, but, but really he was ignorant about the truth in the heart of what the law was about and what God was about. We see Jesus addressing this same topic in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus tries to correct some, some misunderstanding, if we can call it that, for what some people's uh, interpretation was of the law and how they were supposed to follow the law. And Paul here, even though he was a guy who certainly would have known the Scripture and known the Word of God, says, I was, I was really ignorant of the truth of the Word of God and what God wanted. Verse 14, And the grace of our Lord overflowed along with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. Now that's grace right there. When, when God gives you over and above anything that you ever deserve, that is grace. Now, we see, we see a few terms in Scripture that we see often that are good for us to be familiar with and understand maybe some of the nuances and differences between these terms. One, when we talk about God, we see justice sometimes mentioned. God is a God of justice. That is, if, if sin is done, if, if wrong is done, God being a just judge is right to punish the wrong that is done. 
It's no different than if you, if you go through the town of Liberty and you're speeding and you get a speeding ticket. Well, guess what? You, you may, if you don't pay the ticket, if you want to fight the ticket, you got to go stand before the judge. Now, I know the judge and she's pretty tough. You don't want to get a speeding ticket in Liberty, so be careful. But, but if you go stand before the judge and you got a speeding ticket and the judge says your fine is $100, then that is, that is a right thing for the judge to say. You have committed a crime, and this is the punishment for the crime. Well, God is a just judge, and when he punishes sin that needs to be punished, then God is just in doing so. Okay, so that's part of who God is, and sometimes we see God being a God of justice. Now, we also see God talked of as a God that is merciful, a God who shows mercy. Now, when we speak of mercy, mercy is not getting what you deserve, okay? So justice is getting what you deserve. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. So you speed. You're guilty of, of, of breaking the law. You go and stand before the judge, and the judge says, you don't have to pay the fine. I'm letting you off the hook. Now, that's mercy, and sometimes God does that in Scripture. God's people are, are, are deserving of punishment, and it would be just for God to punish them so, but God doesn't do so. He says, I'm going to give you mercy. I'm not going to punish you in the way you deserve. Now, mercy is a good thing, but God goes one step further. God is a gracious God. He shows grace to his people. So if justice is getting what you uh, deserve, mercy is not getting what you deserve, grace is getting what you don't deserve. So grace would look something like this. You speed. All right, you're guilty. You should get a ticket, pay a fine. You go before the judge, and the judge says, okay, I'm going to wipe this ticket away. Now, that's mercy. But then the judge goes one step further and says, I'm going to give you an all-expense-paid trip to Hawaii. Now, that's getting what you don't deserve. That's going above and beyond. That is grace, and that's what God does to us. Not only does God say, I'm not going to give you what you deserve, I'm going to give you what you don't deserve. I'm going to forgive your sins. I'm going to give you an eternity with me, not because of anything that you've done, but because of what my son Jesus Christ did. If you follow him, I will give you my grace. And that's what Paul says here. He says, look, and the grace of our Lord overflowed. Now, Paul did some bad stuff speaking out against the Lord trying to silence the movement of, of Jesus Christ and, and the truth of Jesus Christ. And God didn't strike him down. God didn't even just give him mercy. God gave him grace. God used Paul in a mighty way. And man, Paul has received this mercy and this grace of God. And he praises God for it, that God is with him and blessing him and using him to do his work. Continuing on in verse 15, this saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. Now listen to what he says here. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them. Or some of your translations may say, I am the chief among them, or maybe I am the foremost. The Greek word there is protos, which means, which means first, which means in, in the top position. And that's not always a good thing, at least not in this instance. We want to be first. We want to be in the top position, let's say, if we're, if we're in a race. But, but this that Paul is talking about, he said, look, Jesus came to save sinners, and I am the worst of the worst of the worst of sinners. If there was a list of sinners of who was the worst, I would be first place. 
If there was somebody who would be the leader of all sinners, I would be the chief of the tribe of sinners. Paul says, Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst. Now, that's a phenomenal thing that the Apostle Paul and all that he did for the Lord and his faithfulness to the Lord to serve the Lord and to work for the Lord and to preach and teach and write these letters like we have of the work that he did. And how does he refer to himself? He said, look, apart from Jesus Christ, I was the worst of the worst of the worst. But yet through Jesus Christ and God's grace, God used me. Now, that pretty much would eliminate any excuses we would have. I mean, if we're going to sit here today and maybe God put something on your heart and you say, God, I can't do it because I'm too big of a sinner. Well, guess what? You don't get off the hook that easy because Paul says he's the worst of the worst. Now, I would venture to say I might could give Paul a run for his money. I think about all the things that I've done in my life and I think, man, I've done some pretty bad stuff. And maybe you can think of things you've done in your life and you think I've done some pretty bad stuff. Well, I've got good news. The grace of God is not just sufficient for Paul. It is sufficient for all of us. That God wants us to put our faith in Jesus Christ. That God may want to use us for his kingdom. Now, he certainly may not gift all of us in the way that he gifted Paul. He certainly may not use us in the same way that he used Paul. But I can guarantee you that if you are a child of God, God wants to use you to help build his kingdom. And so our response needs to be, okay, God, I am one who is like Paul. I am a wretched sinner, but God, I want to serve you. So God, forgive my sins. Let me follow you, dear Lord. Let me not just strive to be religious. Let me strive to be made righteous and live in the righteousness that is in Jesus Christ. And for what reason does Paul say that he was saved and spared the worst of the sinners? In verse 16, But I received mercy for this reason, so that in me, the worst of them, Christ Jesus might demonstrate his extraordinary patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. What a beautiful quality that God exhibits. God is a patient God. And if you don't believe that is true, then you have not read the Bible enough. You go read the Old Testament, and man, there are times that God probably should have wiped his people off the face of the earth instantly. Every single one of them. He should have said, I'm done with you, Israel. But God is faithful. God is patient. The New Testament said God is patient, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Now, perhaps some of us in this room are still living in the ignorance that Paul lived in. Maybe you've been sitting on church pews your whole life, but maybe... Maybe now for the first time the Holy Spirit is telling you, look, you've never really followed Jesus Christ and lived for him. Maybe everybody in this room is already a child of God. You have, in fact, put your faith in Jesus Christ. But even so, our sins and our struggles and our temptations still come. Even for the believer. You know, if we have come to Jesus Christ, we are like Paul. We used to be some pretty bad sinners. But even in Jesus Sometimes we still sin. Now, we should never desire to sin, want to sin, seek to sin, say, I'm just a sinner, that's who I am, so I'm going to keep sinning and God's going to keep forgiving me. That's not a good heart and a good attitude to have. And so it's a battle that rages on. In Romans chapter 7, Paul talks about just that, a battle between the mind and a battle between the flesh. Even though sometimes we 
have a desire to do good. There's a part of us that wants to do bad. And so we constantly battle. And we battle and we battle the temptations that come on us. And what does Paul say in that passage in Romans chapter 7, verses 23 and 24? Or excuse me, verse 24, he says, What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this dying body? Look at this language that Paul used. He just said he was the chief of sinners in the passage we looked at in 1 Timothy. And here in Romans chapter 7, verse 24, what a wretched man am I? What a wretched sinner am I? And even as those who know Jesus Christ, who trust Jesus Christ, we still have that battle, that struggle. There are still times that we slip in life. And so what hope do we have? Praise the Lord, we have the same hope that Paul had. God used Paul in a mighty way, even though he was previously an evil man. And God can do the same for you and I. We too may be wretched sinners. Who will rescue us from our sin and save us for all of eternity? It is the same one who rescued Paul. It is Jesus Christ. Oh, what wretched men and women we are tonight. But praise the Lord and glory to God through Jesus Christ, who was our rescuer. Is he your rescuer? He was Paul's rescuer. When Paul was exposed to Jesus and he saw Jesus and he knew the truth, he followed it. What about you and I? We may not see Jesus in the flesh. We may not see a miraculous uh, revealing of Jesus in this room. But we see Jesus revealed through the pages of Scripture. Hopefully we have been exposed to Jesus tonight, maybe in the past, but maybe you've never followed him. Even though you've seen him, even though you know his word, maybe tonight for the first time, you say, this is the truth, and I will follow the truth. Who will rescue us from our sin? There is none other than Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father God, we come to you tonight. We thank you for your good words. And dear Lord, maybe there's some, and we come in here tonight, and maybe there's sin in our life. And maybe we know it's there and shouldn't be there. Well, God, help us not to continue to live in that. God, we may even be tempted to thank God that our sin is too great for you to deliver us. But I think your word speaks, speaks opposite of that, God. I think we see that very example in the life of Paul. God, he is the example, as he said, of your patience. So, God, if we're living in sin, let us not be okay with that. Let us not rejoice in that. Let us not take that lightly. But God, let us repent. Let us know that you are there to forgive us of our sin, to bring joy to our life, to bring restoration to our soul. God, maybe there's some in here tonight and they, they feel like Paul. They know that struggle that's going on, that struggle that we all face every day, dear Lord. What wretched men and women we are, dear Lord, in our struggle against sin that we sometimes fail. But God, you will always be with us. You will always rescue us. So let us be those, God, who hear your word, who listen to your word, and who do our best to live by your word. God, let us not be those who fall into the trap of religion. It's easy to fall into. Let us not deceive ourselves to think that we are yours just because we follow the letter of the law, so to speak. But God, like Paul, let our eyes be open to know the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ so that we won't try to earn your favor, God, by our works, because it cannot be done. But, God, that we rest solely in your mercy and in the grace that comes through Jesus Christ. God, I pray that you be with this church. I thank you for each one that's here tonight. I pray that you give them a good week. 
I pray that you bless this church, that you would help them to find a pastor soon, dear Lord. I know they have been searching for quite some time. I pray that you would send the right man, dear Lord, that would restore this church and, 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 and help them to do good in this community, dear Lord, to be a light for you. I pray that you give us a good week. I pray that you bring everybody back here next week. And I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.